Welcome. This is Jessica Ortner, and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment, because happiness is not a destination. It's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's show. This is a topic that hits very close to home because it's something that I've worked on myself, something I've struggled with, and that is creating boundaries. Now, the reason I had trouble creating boundaries in my past is because I like it when other people like me. I like it when other people get along. So I would often sacrifice my own needs and desires to try to please other people. And I came to learn that that is not sustainable. It creates resentment, uh, frustration, sadness. When we begin to put our own needs last, we are not the hero. We simply become someone who's dimming our own light and not being our true selves in this world. And the world needs you. So today is all about creating boundaries in a way that feels empowering, and it's not as difficult as what you may think. To lead the way, we are speaking to a friend, Nancy Levin. She is a master coach and best-selling author of several books, including her latest book, which is called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. I'm excited for you to listen to this. If you like the podcast, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe Maybe you have someone in your life who you see them letting other people cross their boundaries and you want to give them a little love, a little, hey, listen, there is a way to set boundaries that's empowering and healthy. Send them this episode. And if you haven't already, don't forget to download the Tapping Solution app. Now, by at this point, you might be like, Jess, you say it every time. I have it on my phone. I love it. Well, if you love it, I'd love it if you would leave a review in the App Store and share it with a family member or friend. The app is free, and you immediately get free access to Tapping Meditations. You never have to pay anything unless you want an upgrade and unlock hundreds of more, but just with the free download, you get so much great content. So if you need a little boost of happiness or you need to release anxiety, you have the ability right there on your phone to be guided. It is available for iPhone and Android, so check it out. And now here's Nancy. Nancy, welcome. Welcome back. Thanks, Jess. I'm so happy to be here with you, as always. I know. We we always have a good time, and this is such a juicy topic. We're talking about setting boundaries. And I was thinking earlier today, I was like, I never as a kid heard the concept of boundaries. No. My mother... My yeah. grandmother, no one. <laughs> no, this is I don't new. Think anybody, any one of us did. <laughs> so, but so I want to paint the picture of why is this a conversation that we have to have? Like, what is going on now that is making this conversation so important? I think 
It is because we are now facing an epidemic, and I would say primarily with women, but there are men out there who fall into this category of being diehard people pleasers. And those of us who are, you know, always bending over backwards to make sure everyone else has what they need. And we let our wants and needs fall by the wayside. In fact, many of us don't even acknowledge that we have wants and needs. So there has been really like of epidemic proportion, this, you know, the codependency, the people pleasing, the way that we don't even give ourselves a place at the table or a place in the conversation. And so that's why I think the conversation of boundaries is so important to bring in now because we have to learn how to take ourselves into account as much, if not even more than other people. Yes. I also think what's so different is that society has changed so much that we're realizing, especially as women, that we don't have to do this. Like the challenge yeah. with with not having boundaries is that a lot of people have seen their mothers without boundaries and their grandmothers that martyr, that doing everything for everyone else, losing yeah. yourself. And there's this weird sense of pride without seeing just the dark side of how incredibly depleting that is and disempowering. And now it's like we're we're in a place where we're like actually this is hurting us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we do have power when maybe like my grandmother probably didn't have that power. Like she didn't have an environment, uh, that taught this kind of conversation or, uh, had the tools to change or she, and she wasn't even in a, in an environment that would support her looking at how to do things differently. Yes. Yeah. I, so it's interesting with this day and age, it's like, we are, I I believe, especially with this conversation, we are breaking patterns that started generations ago. Like we are the work we're doing now on this are is going to impact the future generation. I completely agree. And I think it's it's what you're saying. It's generally it's generationally healing forward and backward. Right. So yeah. we know that uh, we need to create these boundaries But what are some of the symptoms of not creating a boundary? Like when I know you work with a lot of clients, when someone comes Mm -hmm. to you and they start telling you the symptoms that they're having in their life and suddenly a bell goes off and you go, this has to do with boundaries. What are some of those symptoms? Yeah. A number one resentment, Mm. you know, hardcore resentment is a telltale sign that that there are leaky, porous boundaries, if any. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And alongside with that is when someone comes in and is really living from the place of being other referenced to the point of really blaming everyone else around them for their own unlived life. So resentment and blame go hand in hand here and are really the indicators that boundaries need to be put into place. Right. One of the reasons it's so challenging is because these are patterns that we have had probably since we've been kids. Absolutely. uh, Talk about the fear. So you tell someone, listen, this is about boundaries. If you create boundaries, like these things are going to get better. What is the hesitation? They're saying to you, Nancy, this sounds great, but. Yeah, I mean, I would say there, there, there is a myth out there that, you know, if I set boundaries, I'm a bitch. Mm. You know, that's sort of, it all funnels into that, or I don't want to be mean, or I don't want someone to be mad at me. You know, it's all around the fear of the impact on the other person. 
And what's really fascinating is once again, it's the invitation to realize I've been taking the hit in my own life for so long that I'm used to it. And so I don't want to now cause any sort of discomfort or disruption for another person. I'll just keep sucking it up, biting my tongue. I'll just keep muscling through. So the thing is, is that, you know, this all really stems from ultimately conflict avoidance. And what we don't often realize is that when we're avoiding external conflict, we're actually creating even more internal conflict. So we're creating, we're creating a feeding ground within us for illness for self-sabotage, you know, for the ways in which we are going to keep ourselves held back, keep ourselves, uh, keep abandoning ourselves. Yes. I see it a lot with clients I've worked with, with tapping who have dealt with or are dealing with chronic pain. Yeah. And what I've seen is that when you don't have the ability to say no, your body will begin to say no for you. Absolutely. And so it's, it's, it's doing that digging of, of looking at, well, when did this back pain start? When did I start getting migraines? And I remember working with a woman who started to have pain when her granddaughter was born and her daughter expected her to be the primary caregiver, then, you know, basically a nanny. Mm -hmm. And it was a Mm -hmm. lot. And she was scared to say no. So instead she had, you know, manifested not consciously, Completely. I mean, it was real. She was going to the doctors and but, you know, created this back pain. And then that was able to be a reason for her to tell her daughter that she needed some more time for herself, that she couldn't do it full time. And it was so interesting that in order for her to change her physical pain, Nancy, it was incredible. Mm. We we weren't even focusing on the pain. We were focusing on the ability to create the boundary and say mm-hmm. what she could do and what she couldn't. And the mm. moment she began to do that, her body began to recover. I believe 100%. Because first of all, you know, our body is the barometer of our truth. We're going to we're going to experience it in our body before we can even translate it up into our head. Yes. Yeah. And like you were saying, you know, it's like we can we can only avoid the whispers that turn into screams for so long and then our body's going to take us out. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I think I'm guessing that you you are passionate about this topic because it's something that you struggled with. Oh, <laughs> and- <laughs> I didn't even know what a boundary was. <laughs> like my mid 40s. Okay, because I find this topic so interesting, important, because I've struggled with it. And I have to be honest that it's something that I keep I have to keep in check. Like it's not I don't feel like I've mastered this yet in the sense that often Lucas, my husband is like, stop trying to make everyone happy. Like you're driving yourself nuts trying to like analyze situations and create a a situation where everybody gets what they want. Right. And I think, you know, right there, you're speaking to a really big, uh, a really big illusion. Many of us have that we can actually make another person happy. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of that, that we can actually make someone else angry. And the truth of the matter is we can't make anyone else feel anything. They can have a response to our truth but that response is theirs. So it's not our responsibility 
to manage their response. Yes. And, and I, you know, and as I say that it's always going to be a both and, so I'm not saying that we're discounting or that we're being in an, in any way disrespectful of another person. We're not going out with the intention of causing any harm, but again, going back to what I was saying before, we're, we're so used to causing inner harm that we hold back from anything that we might feel will bring harm into the field. And I'll always say that our fear will always outweigh what happens in reality. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know that if I had to choose between someone else feeling pain and me feeling pain, I would choose me. Like right. that's my default of like, mm-hmm. okay, l- l- I will feel it because I don't want them to feel pain. But that's right. the illusion that by you feeling it, you're somehow saving someone else. And right. instead, you're just doing such a disservice to yourself and that and that other person. Yeah, because ultimately what's happening is when we're not able to set a boundary in a healthy way, we are doing a disservice to the relationship that we're in. Mm. We're not really showing up in truth. We're not able to have true, authentic connection or intimacy because we're still withholding a part of a part of ourself. So, you know, different sort of, you know, there's different threads in here. You know, one is that we, we, we all have some version of the belief that I have to hide some part of myself in order to be loved and accepted, whether it's an aspect of myself or some deep, dark, skeleton in the closet secret. But if it's, it's the, you know, if they knew this about me, they wouldn't love me or accept me. So we're so busy packaging ourselves to be digestible to someone else. And so, right. Yeah. I mean, could you, could we go back in time and tell 20 year old Jessica who's dating in New York city to stop trying to package yourself? I mean, that was such a huge lesson for me with dating. My goodness. I love that you're bringing that up because I work with a lot of clients around this. And the minute I say, what if you go on your first date as you, mm-hmm. the horror that overtakes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, because we're so, we're so invested in wanting to be liked, picked or chosen that we forget that we get to be the picker. This is what I would do. I would go on a date, Nancy, and I was so focused on the other person liking yeah. me that I never asked myself if I liked them. I know it. Ha- it's what happens all the time. We forget that we get to choose that we have a say, you know, and the other thing about this is what I see in this sort of, this sort of loops back to what I said at the very, very beginning, you know, so many of us are driven by our ambition and we are putting our sense of worth and value in the hands of others because we're chasing that external validation. We're chasing the accolades. We're chasing the approval. And that also keeps us from setting boundaries because if we're doing something that is really in service of ourselves, we're not going to get the validation that we seek. Mm. Oh, and that's so, so true. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real shift that needs to happen there. I mean, you know, I'll say, and as you well know, I was the event director at Hay House for 12 years. I, I have no, I have no, um, I have no problem saying that I was exceptional at my job, (laughs) (laughs) but what made me exceptional was the fact that I had no boundaries. Right. 
You know, what made me exceptional was that I never said no, that I did things that were unthinkable because I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the one and the only one who could get it done. I was the queen of the impossible. And the only reason I did my job in the way that I did it, the only way I was capable of doing that was because I didn't even ever bring myself into the mix. I was constantly in that place of seeking the external validation. But when we're running around chasing all those gold stars, no gold stars are ever going to be enough to fill whatever void we're trying to fill. Right. I think one of the first steps is just to have this awareness, just having this conversation and taking Mm -hmm. a step back, looking at our lives and asking ourselves, where have I been sacrificing my own needs? Where do I need to have more of a voice? Now that's the challenge. So the first step is we gain this, we have this awareness. Now we think, okay, there is this area where I have to speak up for myself. Mm -hmm. That's new. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have experience. Really new. So what do you suggest? I mean, how do we begin to start? Yeah. So how do we begin to start? How do we begin? Yeah. Yeah. So let me first say, just so that we, that just so that we sort of are all on the same map here, I define boundaries as the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, will or will not tolerate and will or will not accept. So just like you're saying, we have to start looking about where am I tolerating and accepting and doing things that are really out of alignment with myself? Because here's what I'll say about boundaries that is the sort of secret that no one talks about. When our boundaries are being crossed, we are the ones crossing them. So we often want to point the finger and blame someone else for crossing our boundaries. It's usually the language that we use. He or she crossed my boundaries. The truth of the matter is we're the ones enabling our boundaries to be crossed because we have to first get clear. And we'll talk about this more in a moment. We have to get clear on where, on our priorities what we and what we will or will not do, tolerate, and accept. We need to then be able to speak them in appropriate and necessary ways, and then we have to actually uphold them. Otherwise, we're the little girl or boy who cried wolf. So again, it's it's we have to set the boundary, but then we have to maintain the boundary. It's not up to anyone else. It's not anyone else's job to honor or respect or maintain or hold our boundary. Yes. I have seen in my own life and and with my girlfriends too i keep go- i'm going back to dating i know this applies to many other things yeah uh, but i what comes to mind is i remember i would date guys that were just not 100% emotionally available like they mm-hmm. weren't totally into having a relationship and i would see those red flags and just see well maybe i can change them or you know mm-hmm. i gave some time so i yeah. gained this awareness and i was like i have to just stop doing this and i swear like the next three guys I met all had those same red flags. And and it was almost like, are there any other men out there? Like, is this all that exists? But -hmm. what I realized was it felt to me that, that the universe was like, Jess, are you sure you're ready for the (laughs) real thing? Uh Like, let me just keep putting this in front of you so I can know for sure that you're done with this. Mm -hmm. Once I kind of went through a few of those situations where I had to hold that boundary yeah. After that, 
it wasn't an effort. It's like I didn't even attract them anymore. I wasn't faced with it anymore. It was so interesting. Exactly. I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is once we get, once we get in the habit of setting and holding healthy boundaries, we don't have to keep setting them, you know, because it just becomes the way of life. But like you were saying before, for those of us who have not considered ourselves, it is a huge turning the ship around (laughs) to actually bring our attention to ourselves instead of putting our attention outward on someone else. Right. You mentioned earlier that one of the things that causes this lack of boundaries is this fear of conflict. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about that? I absolutely can, because here's what I here's what I have discovered. (laughs) I really believe that, you know, we sort of put conflict in this negative light. And I think conflict is simply an illumination of our differences. And the problem becomes when we think we have to sort of get someone over onto our side or get someone over into our way of thinking. And if we can actually just enter into the conversation of conflict as, oh, this is your perspective, this is mine, or this is your preference, this is mine. And then we can go into a collaboration from there. But what most often happens, and I think the reason people fear the conflict is that and why we acquiesce essentially is that we don't even know how to name what is our preference or or our desire so we default to someone else's and then that's when the resentment kicks in can you give us an example of that sure i mean it can even come down to what do you want for dinner tonight i don't care what do you want right which is usually the response yep and What happens if, you know, you start saying, hey, you know, I'd like sushi tonight and the other person might want Italian, but at least it's on the table to have a conversation and a collaborative discussion. And yeah, it might be that you guys decide to get Italian, but that's very different than someone saying, where do you, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. What do you want? I want Italian. And then you're under your breath thinking like, I really want sushi. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how the resentment builds because we haven't said what, what we want. Definitely. So a lot of this, some of it is it's saying what we want and something else that comes up is also knowing what we don't want. You know, the that's act right. of just saying that's right. no. <laughs> the act of saying no. And, you know, so here's what I'll say about this. And I tell my clients this, if you can say no, when the request is made, say no, if you can't say no, let the person know that you will get back to them tomorrow. Build in some space because what happens is we go into the knee jerk. Yes. And the knee jerk. Yes. Is fueled by a number of things other than desire. (laughs) The knee jerk. Yes. Is I don't want the other person to be mad or disappointed or upset. Uh, I want to somehow be the hero. Uh, I want to, I want to make it look like I can do everything. You know, we, there are many reasons why we go into the knee jerk. Yes. But the only reason we should say yes to something is that it's a desire. And so we have to build in some space so that we can really assess, is this something I desire to do? And then when we say no, and this is really critical, no does not need to come with a song and a dance. No doesn't need to come with an excuse or a reason. It can simply be, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm not available. Yep. 
It can be really a simple no, but we feel we have to go into a full-blown explanation and reason. Yep. Or, or the default of sure. Or the, right. Or the default, right. Of, of yes. So I have to share a quick story. It's not mine, sure. but it's so good. So yeah. at least I think it is. I was doing a, an event in Omega and we were having, we had had this discussion. Actually, this discussion was, I had, I had it planned. It was, it was the morning. Everyone was sharing their breakthrough from the day before, any updates. And this woman says, I'm incredibly allergic to cats and I'm cat sitting. Mm. And I was re- resentful and I was really annoyed because I was asked to also clean this house. And as I was cleaning, I was, you know, cleaning up all this cat hair and my allergies were horrible. My eyes were itching and I started tapping and I had such a shift. I was able to relax and my allergic reaction wasn't so intense. Like I, my, um, my eyes weren't tearing up anymore. So I said, okay, wow, that's great. But, uh, why are you (laughs) cat sitting a cat when you're allergic to cats? Right. (laughs) And she said, this guy asked me, he loves his cat. He said he, he, I, that I see, seemed trustworthy and he can't trust his cat with many people. And mm-hmm. I just said, yes. And I'm like, well, then why didn't you tell him I'm incredibly allergic to cats? She's like, I already said yes. And I can't disappoint him. And as we started digging right. deeper, it was a complete family pattern. Her parents would say yes to things. And then at yep. the dinner table would just talk about how resentful they were and how that was life. Life is just these situations where you just have to deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was like I had to repeat what she was saying to me for her to even right hear her to even, like right, how her insane to clock it. right yeah that mm-hmm. it was insane that you have an allergy to something and someone asks you to be near it for a week and you still say yes you don't even know this person very well but still it's that knee-jerk reaction and then all that guilt and it's the addiction to being wanted and needed yes and that's what hooks in there too And he said, you know, and all the things that you said, he said are very seductive. I can't trust that many people, you know, all of that. It's like, we get, we get sucked into, I want, I want the, I want the hit of that. So I'm going to override my own integrity. I'm going to override my own alignment. I'm going to override what's right for me. And I'm going to say yes. And sometimes it's even more difficult when it's someone that we really love. And that's almost more common. We have someone we love, Mm -hmm. we want to make them happy, and we know we want to say no, but we love being needed. It's, Mm -hmm. it can get, uh, it can get messy. Like it's not clear cut because so much of this is checking in with ourselves because there are times that we can say yes and times that we say no. So how, what's your suggestion for those relationships? It's someone that's close. You mm-hmm. like to be needed by them. You love this person, but you know mm-hmm. how to, you need to create more boundaries. How do you begin to start navigating that situation? Yeah. And so this is the piece of, I need to really pay attention where I end and you begin. Mm. And I need to remember that I can't make you happy or make you mad. And this is where the codependency piece comes in. Because the codependency is when we're looking for someone else to regulate us emotionally. I look at this, I almost think of it as like weather patterns, like someone else is rainy and I'm sunny. We're so quick to mood match. We're so quick to make ourselves rainy. Right. Right. And so this is actually coming back and staying over here on my side of the net, my side of the street 
and just checking in with me. What's, what is the most self-loving action I can take? What's the most self-honoring choice I can make? And again, it's not an either or it's not, I'm honoring myself and dishonoring you. It's that in order to be really present and honest in this relationship, I have to show up for myself first. Yes. And so checking, starting to check in with, with what, with what's happening inside of me first. And anytime we feel the antenna or the attention going outward to actually, it's, it's a practice to bring it back, to bring it back home so that I can start to get comfortable with the discomfort of knowing that someone else might be disappointed or upset by my choice. But I know that I'm making a choice that's in alignment with my truth. And to know that someone else being disappointed isn't the end of the world. Mm -hmm. We're we're all going to survive that. And connecting this back to what we were discussing before, how in the beginning it is an effort to create a boundary. And then suddenly once it's established, it's so much easier. It's Mm -hmm. the same with these relationships. I mean, you are kicking up some dust in the beginning. It takes a moment for it to settle. Sure. Sure. And that's why I'm saying, you know, the, you know, the, when I was set was saying that I would tell my clients who were dating, you know, go on this first date as you, because what ultimately happens when we don't go on the first date as us, we can only hold our breath for so long, Mm. you know, at some point, (laughs) yeah. At some point, the truth comes out that, you know what? I really hate Indian food, but I've been (laughs) eating it for weeks now because you love it, you know, or whatever Mm. it is. I mean, something silly like that, but we, we all know what we're talking about, right? The thing that we're like, I'm just going to pretend that I like this thing because you're so into it. (laughs) Right. Right. And we can only, you know, it's, we can only hold that up for so long. And the funny thing is that that wearing the mask and the, and, and the armor and the hiding and the, and the packaging ourselves to be digestible to someone else actually takes so much more energy than just simply telling the truth. It's yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And I, I feel like it's, it's easy to understand. I feel like a lot of people relate to that situation of just wanting to be needed, but knowing that you need to say no because mm-hmm. you're depleted. Yeah. And being able yep. to love someone, but also create that thing of, I can't always, I can't always fix your problems. Right. Exactly. And it really, yep. you know, in the end, I just always find is it does empower the other person, even if there's a little bit of backlash in the beginning, because it's new by that person. Ultimately, like you said before, it is about having a true relationship. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are, what's like a script that can help us express this boundary? Cause now we can get to the technical side. We know it's important. We're seeing the emotional aspect. A lot of us just don't, don't have the vocabulary. And I would actually say that the number one reason people don't set boundaries is they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, different kinds of boundaries. So if we're saying, if we're saying no to something similar to what we were just talking about, saying something like, I'm not available for that, or I'm not available right now. Like, you know, if someone sends you, can you look at this for me? Can you proofread this for me or something like that? You know, I'm not available right now. I'll be able to do this tomorrow by noon, you know, giving, letting someone know your time frame as opposed to thinking that you have to be on theirs. 
Yeah. This is a big thing. We let someone else's urgency be ours. So there's the no. And then there's also the opportunity to say, oh, this is a yes for me, but I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do this until this time. And to just start getting accustomed to checking in with what works for me here. And again, that is foreign because we're so used to let me do whatever works for you. Totally. When you value your own time, other people will begin to value your time. Amen, sister. There it is right there. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. And so even, even around that piece, you know, the boundaries that we're setting with ourselves are really, are really the commitments we're making to ourselves. And then we're, how do we stay accountable to ourselves? So whether it's, you know, I say, I'm going to meditate every morning, what's it going to take to put something into place that gives me, that gives me the space to do that or whatever it might be that, that where I'm blocking out time for myself, whatever those are, how do I actually put into practice the anchors that are going to support me. You know, those are sort of the beginning boundaries with ourselves. And then when we're setting boundaries with others, and again, let me say this, you know, I, I sort of alluded it to it before, but boundaries ultimately are between, you know, you and you, me and me. They're not even between you and me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so boundaries, there are, there are instances where we want to, where we want to actually verbally express them. And then there are times that they don't need to even be verbally expressed, even with another person, because they're still up to us to maintain. But it's, it's actually very courteous to let someone know about your boundaries. So it can be something as simple as, you know, and, and to stay with the I instead of pointing the finger at you. So it could be something like, I notice I feel really uncomfortable when you have more than two drinks at dinner. So let me first ask you, are you willing when we go out to not have more than two drinks? So we start there and then we may have to move into, I'm just letting you know that if you decide to have another drink after two, in order to take care of myself, I'm actually going to leave the restaurant. And then we have to leave the restaurant or we have to name the boundary you know, that we're willing to set, you know, I'm not going to go home with you that night, whatever it might be, but we have to name the boundary and then hold it. Yeah. But again, it's not, you can't drink, you can't drink three drinks. You know, mm -hmm. it's here's how I feel. And here's how I'm going to take care of myself. That's really all a boundary is. It's once we, once we get clear on what I will or will not do, accept or tolerate the next piece is, And here's how I'm going to take care of myself. Yes. Yes. I have, I've noticed as well that boundaries plays a big role in our ability to take action, to create some success in our lives. I've seen people mm -hmm. with this belief of, well, my life is already overwhelming. If I am more successful, people will want more from me. Mm -hmm. And what I have found through my life is that is true. Actually, like the more successful I am, the more interview requests I get. Sure. But I can say no. Right. If I can't say no, everything would be so overwhelming that I rather sabotage myself and play small. Yes. Because being seen and doing something big requires you to have to say no. It's like an essential part of success. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. 
It's imperative. It's imperative. So it's it's so interesting to take a moment to talk about boundaries because we see the way that it impacts our relationship. It impacts our career. It impacts our own well-being. It really impacts every single aspect of our lives. It's it's the rule. It's the game that we're deciding to play. It is. It is. And it's really, ultimately, we are showing ourselves how we are willing to show up for ourselves mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. You've done this work yourself. You've worked with a lot of clients. What's the other side? You know, whether it's a story or just a theme, when someone really begins to put this into practice, what changes do you see them experience in their life? I will say, number one, what I hear time and time again, and I know I felt this for myself, is a really overpowering sense of freedom, a sense free of having to take responsibility for more than is theirs. Cause I think that's another piece that comes in around the boundary conversation. When we don't have healthy boundaries, we're taking more responsibility than is ours. And when we really know how to set these boundaries, we are only taking the responsibility that is ours to take. And so we are freed up to actually inhabit our own lives instead of live someone else's life or live into someone else's expectation. Mm. And so the flip side of it too, is that more space and time gets created because we're out. I mean, really think about, and it may not be true for you now, but like back when you were saying, like when you were, you know, like when you were dating or when you were not as boundaried as you are now, how much time and energy is spent in our minds in that loop of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay? It is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. It is. It is exhausting. And, and we would be shocked to really calculate how much time and energy is spent there. Mm -hmm. And so when we are free of that, there is so much more resource that's available to us to actually put to use towards something that is more purposeful. Yes. We are clearing space for what we want. I mean, when Absolutely. I didn't have that boundary, there was no space for Mm-mm. me to rate that, meet the right man. Mm-mm. And, Mm-mm. you know, whether it's dating or our career, it's like these boundaries create space for, for what we want. That's exactly it. And I really think that the boundaries are the gateway, you know, to support us in everything that we desire and want to attract. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Nancy, you've taught us so much. I feel like already with this information, I'm hoping that the listeners are taking a step back and seeing the parts of their lives where they it's time. It's time to set that boundary. Mm-hmm. If they want extra support, I know that you have a fantastic book that has just come out. Can you tell us about it? Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, it's called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. Amen. The ultimate, yes, the <laughs> ultimate guide to telling the truth creating connection and finding freedom. And it's available in hardcover ebook and audiobook. And it's me reading the book. And uh, you can get it where where you get your books. I love <laughs> it. There's two questions I ask everyone. I've asked you this last interview. I'm curious okay. as to whether you were you probably don't remember, but I'm Let's see if the answers are any different. Okay. Um, one of them, the first question is, can you share something in your life that when it happened was really tough, but it ended up becoming a big blessing? A hundred percent. My experience of my now ex-husband reading my journals, uh, which 
was devastating at the time. And it, it was the catalyst for the implosion of my marriage. And I'll tell you right now, had that not happened, I would still be in that marriage. I would still be people pleasing. I would still be hiding out and I would not be publishing my fifth book and I would not be a coach and I would not be talking to you right now. <laughs> yes. You know, it's so important to remember in these moments that it's hard when you're in it. But the reason I love that question is we can just remind ourselves that when things are hard, it might be the catalyst, right. might be exactly what we need. Yep. My second question, if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? <laughs> When you said I'm going to ask you these two questions, I forgot the first one, but I remembered the, the second animal. one. <laughs> Do you remember what animal you said last time? I don't know. I think I'm, I don't know, giraffe or something. Maybe I said, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Mine don't switches Ko- though. I don't think you need to. Ha- yeah. I don't know why. Koala bear is the first thing that came to my mind right now. <laughs> All right. Why? Why a koala? No, there's something sort of like, I just sort of like how they're, they just sort of like perch there and it seems like they're just sort of watching what's going on and they're snuggly. <laughs> I, I love that. Mine switches. I, I seriously go between a gorilla and a sea otter. Like, Thank God. I know yeah. I am very much a Gemini in that sense, but mm-hmm. both are kind of cuddly. You know what it is? It's family. It's like the gorillas have the social structure and the family dynamic, which I love. And then otters hold hands so they don't float away from each other. I know. I see the, I see the videos of that and it gets me every time. (laughs) Gets me every time. Yeah. (laughs) So Mm. I'm interesting. I have to go back and see what your last animal was, but I think we can, I think we can always switch. I think it kind of shows what character, what we're into in the moment, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, Nancy, this was a lot of fun. Like always, thank you so much for being with us and come back next time. Um, You're always welcome. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. 